Welcome to episode 12 of the Parenting with Play podcast. This week, I'm going to talk about how you can use play and connection to help your children with unpleasant medical procedures. And the reason why this come about is that my four-year-old son recently bashed his head against a coffee table requiring four stitches. And then a week later, we had to have those stitches taken out. So I really want to share with you how I helped him with that experience by using play and connection. I'm Helena Mooney, and if you're wanting practical, respectful and effective strategies to help transform your everyday parenting challenges with connection and fun, then you're in the right place. Let's dive in. So yes, my son was only four and this was his second incident, which required stitches. So for those mums of sons, I feel your pain. My daughter, who's 10, nearly 11, has never had to have any stitches, but you know we're on our second batch already for George. But whatever your child's medical procedure is, it could be simple as vaccination jabs or it could be more serious things. You can help them with play and connection. So this is what I really want to share with you today, because first of all, George, just before bedtime, just as I was about to go out for a night out dancing and no lights, no lycra. If anybody's discovered that, it's awesome. So literally five minutes before putting George to bed, before I was then going to dash out, he bounced off something and, you know, bashed himself on the coffee table. It was a very clean cut, but you know, when straight away, you know, we're going to need to go to hospital about this. I hadn't even seen the injury. So I rushed over to him Um, found a towel, put it against his head. I hadn't even really seen the injury yet, but there was blood pouring down. And the first thing I did was I just let him cry. I put him on my lap, I held him and he just needed to cry. Because when our children hurt themselves, when we all hurt ourselves, there's a shock involved, there's pain. Um, There's many things that go on and they need to cry. So first of all, if your child or when your child hurts himself, allow them to cry about it because it's very easy to tell them to be brave or to brush it off or that you're okay and we minimise their pain, thinking that, again, because we often equate crying that when children cry, it makes them more upset. So therefore, if they're not crying, then they're not upset. That's fine. But your children need to cry when they hurt themselves. So don't tell them to be brave. Don't tell them to brush it off. Don't tell them that they're okay to minimise what actually they are experiencing. Allow them to feel what they're feeling because when they can feel it, then they can move through it and then they can release it. The other thing that's easy to do when our children hurt themselves is to jump into fixing the injury straight away. Now, obviously, if it's life and death, you need to go and fix that straight away. But generally, it's not. So rather than, you know, jumping to have a look at it or um, cleaning it up or putting a plaster on it or whatever it is, again, allow them to have the space to process what has just happened. So in the case of George bashing his head against coffee table, we just put a towel on it and I was just held... I just held his head, his blood pouring down his face, but I just needed to, I just knew that he needed to have a cry. And he cried really loudly, really vigorously for about five minutes. I couldn't tell you the exact time, but it wasn't a huge amount of time, but it was a sufficient amount of time. So just hold them, be with them, stop the blood from flowing and allow them to fully offload what has just happened to them. Because just like with George, so he had this big cry, When he'd had that big cry, then he was in a position for me to then have a look at it. I could then take the towel off and see this gaping wound in his forehead. 
um, and then completely realised that we needed to go to hospital. But he was in much calmer position to do that. Now, I've jumped in and done all those things that I've suggested not to do particularly with my eldest, because I was thinking, right, oh, I just need to fix this up. We just need to, you know, this this is injury going on. I need to stop the pain and I need to, to address whatever's happened. But whenever I did that, Emily always resisted. It was always way more upsetting for her, for me to put a plaster on or take out, you know, the grit that when they fall over and graze their knee, it was much, much better. Allow your child to have a big cry and then deal with the injury. And so with George, we could look at it, And then I could put him in his car seat um, and then we drove to the hospital. And actually on the way there, he just chatted. God, he didn't stop talking, but he chatted the whole way because he'd had that opportunity to offload his upset feelings about the initial incident. So when we got to hospital, he was fine. I mean, as fine as could be. And um, when I then met the nurse, I then saying he's actually this is his second major injury. And last time he'd had stitches was in his lip. He fell off something else oh my goodness and had this gaping wound in his lip in just inside his lip and he was pre-verbal then so under two and what had happened then is we took him to a local medical center they rushed us through because it was a small child and actually there wasn't much else happening that night or that day and um it was awful so uh decided that he needed stitches there was three of us who had to restrain him on the table somebody holding his legs somebody holding his arms i think i held his head Um, And then the doctor had to put local anaesthetic in and then do the stitching. And it was awful. Um, And I think, you know, the the belief was, let's just get it over and done with. You know, we can do this now. Let's just do this. But the memory of that stayed with him so that when he actually became verbal, he would point to his mouth and he'd go, lip, ow, bang, ow. And, you know, he clearly had retained that memory, even though he was pre-verbal then. And I think sometimes we can minimize what happens to young children because they are pre-verbal so we think well you know let's just get it on with we just need to do this just push on they won't remember it it'll all be fine but it's important to remember that in your limbic system you retain everything that's happened to you so it's a very emotion that's the emotional heart of your brain and everything that's happened to you gets stored within your body within within this part of the brain so Whether you remember it consciously or not, you're going to have times that suddenly you're triggered or suddenly you've got this perhaps seemingly irrational fear. And that is because something happened to you in the past that has then led to you then reacting this way now. So with your little children in particular, don't dismiss what's happened to them or think we've just got to get through this because they're not going to remember it. At some point, in some way, they will remember it. So how they experience how they're treated is really, really important. So I relayed this story at the hospital and they immediately said, well, we'll sedate him for the head injury. (laughs) Sounds very dramatic, just for the the new stitches. And I'm really pleased they did that. There was a bit of um, contest between a nurse and somebody else about maybe they just needed to do gas on him. But I really felt strongly that that's not going to be helpful for him because again there's there would be more restraint he would see what's happening you know it's just above his eye it would it would just be awful experience and um the doctor there was so brilliant he says nowadays they seem to to offer sedation more readily in the old days they would wrap the kids up in a blanket similar to what we did with george and have to restrain them and that's such an unpleasant experience that gets stayed with them so if you go to hospital and they recommend that try and ask for sedation i mean obviously there's medical 
um, re- responses to the body to having that sort of drugs pumped in the body, but um, we haven't seemed to have any lasting effects to that. And I would say the whole experience has got a lot better. So one, so that whole experience happened. Um, he was great. He he had the injection that sent him to sleep, and he was in my arms. He had the um, stitches done. The only downside was that we had to stay in hospital overnight because he didn't wake up after the um, stitches, after the sedation, because he just fell straight into a deep sleep. So I was exhausted the next day staying in in the emergency department all night. But apart from that, he was great. And that was really good. So he just carried on as if nothing had happened. He didn't retain any fear. And I really do attribute part that partly to the fact that he could have a big cry immediately after he did the incident. So he wasn't fearful. Also, I needed to talk to my husband a bit because everyone was very much like, well, be careful. Don't do that. Remember what happened last time. And I don't want George to carry the fear of that. I want him to still be exuberant. But obviously, he will need to learn um, to temper that exuberance, not bounce around things and and bang his head on the coffee table. But it's important that our children retain that confidence rather than becoming really, really fearful. So again, allowing your children to cry immediately afterwards really helps with that. So the next thing that we needed to encounter was one week later, those stitches needed to be removed. And I was really dreading this because I was going, oh my God, what's this going to be like? So we talked about it the day before. I didn't want it looming, you know, in advance that he was going to get really worried about it. But the day before I said, right, we need to go to the doctor tomorrow. The stitches need to come out. It's not going to hurt that much or it's not going to really hurt. um, And I'll be there and it's going to be fine. So I talked about it and he was not happy about that. He's going, I don't want to go to the doctor. And partly that's because the only time he goes to the doctor is for something painful like his vaccination jabs or if he's got a sore ear and then the doctor needs to look in his ear or, you know, we don't go that many times. But whenever we do, it's not a particularly pleasant experience for him. So he has a bad, bad association with doctors. Um, now, talking about it is good so that he has the information to understand what we're going to do the next day. And then it starts the process that if he's got upset feelings about it, then they can start to come out. But talking about it is not enough. When our children are upset or there's something looming, they need to express their emotions about it. So simply talking, right, you're going to go to the doctor tomorrow. It's all going to be fine. You're going to be fine. Everything's fine. That's not sufficient. Um, So I started to just allay some of his fears and do a little bit with him the day before. But what we did on the morning of going to the doctors was I got his big sister, who's 10, nearly 11. I outsourced this bit. And I asked her to go and play doctors before school and to allow George to be the doctor and reminded her that when she, you know, for her to be the the scared patient or the one who doesn't want whatever treatment this doctor is requiring of her. And so George, we've got, you know, a play medical set, which I'm sure you have too. And he got out a syringe and he chased Emily around with a syringe and then made her lie on the bed and gave her the syringe. And and basically what this was great for was giving him a sense of power because it's a very powerless experience, isn't it? When you're having to lie there, when you're having things done to you. First of all, you've fallen over and hurt yourself. Then you have injections. Then you have doctors prodding you. It's particularly, you know, the painful areas of you and it's it's a really powerless experience. So play is so fantastic at countering that. And again, this is why talking isn't enough and play is so powerful. So it's simple. They probably played it for like 20 minutes, whatever, however long it took me to get breakfasts and lunches ready for the day. They That's all they did just before school. 
doesn't have to be this major project. Just these little games peppered throughout the day or whenever you can are really, really powerful. And then we took Emily to school and then um, George was playing with his little pal. And then after that, I said, we're going to take Rory home. We're going to go to the doctors and then we can play with Rory again afterwards. And George became beside himself upset. He was desperate to go to Rory's house. And what he did, he focused about wanting to stay at Rory's house. He didn't really mention going to the doctor. He wanted to stay at Rory's house. And he had a bit, he went into a big cry about this and a big tantrum. And I could tell from his cry, the nature of his cry, that it was a deeper cry than just wanting to play with his friend for you know another hour. There was more to it than that. And that's what's really important to bear in mind is that when your children are afraid or upset about something big, they focus on small things to get upset about. They focus on something tangible that they can cry about. So that's why they might get upset about wanting a different colour plate or having to have a particular toy in a particular place or wanting you to do something exactly just right. Those things are clues to you going, there's something bigger on here, which is really easy to get really annoyed about it. But because I knew that this doctor trip was looming, I was actually really wanting him to have a cry about something. So I was really grateful that he suddenly sort of jumped in and that was the thing that he focused on. So always listen to your child's upset feelings because nine times out of 10, there's something deeper behind it. And it's just those little tangible things that they can focus on that seems that they can cry about that. And then all their upset about these bigger things, some of which they can't articulate or some which just seem too big and scary. That's what gets released during that whole process. So as I said, the cry about wanting to go to his friend's house, there was a different quality to it. There was, there was, it was deeper. It had a bit of an edge to it. And I just knew knew that it was about the doctors and he did not want to go to the doctors and he was scared about going to the doctors. So he was in the car and I'm driving. So again, you know, you don't have to stop everything. We had to get to the doctor's surgery on time, but he was sitting in the back seat crying his little heart out about it. And I was in the front seat offering empathy going, I know you really want to go to Rory's house. (laughs) And that's, you don't have to say much, but you do need to listen and allow those feelings to flow. Because if I kept reassuring him going, we're going to see Rory afterwards and we're just going, blah, 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 that would that would block his release. He needed to have a big cry. So I'm listening to him while we're driving. And by the time we got to the doctor's surgery, which is about 10 minutes away, he had finished. He'd had his big cry. We were at the doctor's surgery. He got out of the car happily. We even sort of were being a bit playful as we walked into the surgery. He was relaxed and he allowed, he, I got him to choose a couple of books for me to read while we were in the waiting room. So again, giving him a bit of power, a bit of choice there, um, giving him my warm attention, not getting distracted about other things. And then when we actually walked into surgery, he happily walked into surgery holding my hand. Now, the doctor here was brilliant. Um, I was so impressed with her. And one of the reasons why she was so brilliant was she really engaged with him. She was sensitive. She loved it. And she properly talked to him and listened to him. And what was especially important was she gave him choices. So she started to try and empower him throughout the whole process rather than just talking to me and going, "Okay, well, George, just sit here and we'll just do this now. And then it's all done and blah, blah, blah. She said, "Okay, well, do you want to sit on mummy's lap or do you want to lie on the bed while I do it? And George was finding it really hard to decide. She went out of the room to get she needed to get the stuff to to take stitches out. But during that process, 
George had that opportunity to think, well, what do I want? Where do I want to be? And even though, you know, it was seemingly obvious that, of course, it would be better for him to sit on my lap for him, even though it's perhaps not so convenient for the doctor, that act of giving him choice and being involved in the whole process, really, really powerful. We all need to have a sense of autonomy. And it's easy again with little children to just do what's best for them and just decide on their behalf and tell them what's what's best for them because we, we want what's best for them, don't we? And we can clearly see what's best for them. But to allow them to have that opportunity for choice, for um, autonomy is so, so, so important. So what happened was that I sort of lay back in my chair and he lay back on my lap and he lay really calmly. His body was relaxed and she just really quickly and efficiently... Um, just took out the four stitches in his forehead. And she was she was very impressed that, you know, and said that very few four-year-olds would lie that still. And um, that was real testament to the play that he could really feel powerful and offload some of his fears through giggling and that he had a really big cry just before we went there. So again, he could offload his upset and his fear and his desire to not do it in the car with me there. And then after that, he was done and then we went off and and it was great. And there hasn't been any residual upset from it. He's hurling himself around just as normal Um, because after the first instance where we had to restrain him and take the stitches, uh, put the stitches in his lip and then had to take them out again, um, I had to do a lot of listening with him afterwards. So when your child has something like this, try and do as much as you can beforehand. I mean, obviously you can't do it before the actual injury, but um, just be aware that there's going to be extra feelings going around. So with George, because of us having to restrain him to do the lip, um, there were times when I needed him to get in the car seat and he would have a massive cry about going in the car seat. He would not want to do it because it was very similar to being restrained. It was, a, you know, he had to get into the car seat and have his straps put on, which is similar to being restrained while we're doing his lip. And so he could really focus on not wanting to go into the car seat to work through his feelings about what happened to him when we had to restrain him and, and they do his stitches in his lip. Um, and luckily I had times when I could spend time listening to him and other times we just had to get on with it so you can see how those little things can really really help your child so the next time your child hurts themselves firstly let them have a massive cry about what's just happened the more that they can offload that the easier they're going to things are going to be later on because they're not going to be carrying that fear and that hurt and that shock and that upset and then if you've got a medical procedure coming up that you know about do a bit of a play, you know, simple wrestling game again. But what you could do is just make it specific to doctors. So have a pretend syringe and that, you know, they become the doctor and they chase you around and you're really scared. I don't want an injection. That's scary. They will love that because they then get to feel powerful and they can offload any stress through laughter. And it's great. And then notice for any other times when they get upset about seemingly small things or things that you could normally rationalize with them and talk them out of at other times. Allow them to have that full expression, that full upset because, and again, it doesn't have to take long. It really was in the car journey from like 
10 minutes to the surgery. And by then he was relaxed because I'd offered him that empathy. He'd got it out of his system. And then he could have the procedure with really minimal fuss. He just lay there and I could sense his body was relaxed and he just lay there. He didn't love it, but he could go through it in a much, much more relaxed state. So I hope that's helpful. Um, It's been very powerful, obviously, in the instance of George, and it's helped numerous times with my daughter when she's fallen over and had grit in her knee. She'd have a big, big cry, and then she would take the grit out of her own knee because she'd had that space to be heard and to release that she could then feel powerful to then take it out and be in a position to want to take it out herself. Quite extraordinary at the time. So if you want to know more about similar scenarios such as this medical procedure or, you know, the myriad of everyday scenarios that you deal with, my online program, Annoying to Amazing, is packed full of similar incidents and strategies to really help you navigate those everyday challenges really well with your children. And I'm going to be running a live round of it soon. So jump on the wait list and to be sure to be the first to know when the doors open and I will off, um, we'll have special offers for those who join the wait list early. So I hope that's been helpful this week. Um, just really trust your children that they need to express themselves and that you can and trust yourself that you can help them with these scary incidents and you can help them retain their confidence and come out the other side really happy really healthy and really vibrant all right have a great week and i'll see you next time i hope you enjoyed this week's episode and you can see how you can implement what we talked about today with your children and family Be sure to hit subscribe in your podcast app to know when each episode is released. And I would love it if you could leave a review and share with your friends. And if you want to shout less and connect more, head over to parentingwithplay.com.au to download my quick guide of five simple games which you can start playing straight away. You really can transform your everyday parenting challenges with connection and fun. So have a great week and enjoy playing.